0: The potential of the existence of open crossing points uh, on the island has been underutilized.
1: The status quo is evolving and it is clashing with the narratives of the sides.
0: Just for uh, domestic consumption. And I think that this idea about the EU uh, was part of this.
1: Two elections are coming up. The Turkey-Cypriot by-elections is just a waste of time and money.
0: The drill ship to conduct the A3 appraisal well in the Aphrodite field in Block
1: 12. Hello, Kemal. Seems that everybody is now uh, focused uh, to um, the elections in Turkey, and everybody is waiting to see what's going to happen and any kind of an opening, a possible opening, or a discussion or any process on the Cyprus issue or any uh, issue with the confidence-building measures will probably be more clear. uh, Their destiny, their fate will be more clear after the elections in Turkey, uh, which will be taking place um, in May. So maybe we start briefly, Andromahi, with the way the new government Christodoulidis' uh, leadership um, is uh, dealing with the Cyprus problem, especially with a special focus on the unilateral confidence-building measures?
0: Well, there was this meeting a few days ago that was organized by the Republic of Cyprus president, Mr. Christodoulidis, and uh, basically bringing together all of the technical committees, uh, uh, Greek Cypriot members. I think it was in the presence of UNFICYP uh, head, uh, Mr. Colin Stewart. And so according to some information I managed to gather, Christodoulidis' positions were welcomed positively by the technical committee's members. I, I was told that uh, he was very positive, he was very encouraging, and he and he was pushing for the committee heads and, and members to come up with ideas and put them forward. And I think there was even a mention of unilateral confidence-building measures. So that was a, a positive thing, uh, let's say. The issue, of course, now is to actually th- see things happening.
1: <laughs> well, you, you see, recently we have uh, uh, commemorated the 28th anniversary of the start of the crossings, and um, you and I, we have been invited to uh, here and there to discuss about the crossings with our. Um, activists said, hat and as well as um, political analysts said. And um, I think everybody has been talking about how impossible for people to cross before uh, 2003 and, you know, all those memories, their own personal things. But I think now we feel that more are needed for the crossings to be more viable. We feel that currently there are nine of them, but um, especially the most, the, the busiest one is the one in Nicosia, the, the, the vehicle crossing, and there is a constant uh, queue on that. And people have been, you know, really waiting for hours occasionally on especially special days. And there are so, some people who are working and some, some of them are crossing for health reasons. So... What do you think about a possible intervention in a positive way <laughs> to this problem uh, of crossings? Do you see it, um, you know, maybe something will, will happen? One option is, is, of course, to open new crossing points. And the other option, of course, is to um, make it uh, more possible and ease the crossings on the existing ones.
0: I think there are many issues that have to do with crossing. So on the one hand, it's the crossings as structures. So how to facilitate people crossing. We have discussed in the past in this uh, podcast, even about ideas uh, for new digital ways that could facilitate and fasten up the process of crossings. At the same time, we all constantly <laughs> speak to the need for the opening of new crossing points. And having said that, I must say that It is positive that following the technical committee's meeting the other day, there has been a discussion at least of some sort on the uh, Greek Cypriot uh, media, basically discussing these ideas about new crossing points and putting forward what the suggestions are. So there is a discussion that is slowly uh, starting in the Greek Cypriot community. At the same time, though, and if you look at the crossings And the existence of crossings, I think we can't say that they are underutilized. The potential of the existence of open crossing points on the island has been underutilized. Basically, the Republic of Cyprus failed to um, manage to come up with a strategy of how to handle the opening of crossing points. And I believe that, just like with... (laughs) Uh, so many other things uh, on this island. They do represent somehow of an underutilized potential. Let's say,
1: Andromay, the, you remember we were also discussing the um, barbed wires in certain areas to uh, stop illegal uh, crossings, and I also heard that probably um, uh, Mr. Chrysostolidis will also be more careful about this because what represents, what the barbed wires represent in the minds and the hearts of the Greek Cypriot community is, of course, completely different. And um, you're right. I mean, it also reminds us the fact that the status quo is evolving and it is clashing with the narratives of the sides. On one hand, Republic of Cyprus does not accept the division. They consider everything in the North being under occupation, this and that. And uh, you know all the symbols of fires bar and all that. but on the other hand, there are certain realities which you know there is an area you don't control and you need to do something about it. So again, unless there is a solution, you need some sort of a strategy to handle these issues and uh, <laughs> any kind of a strategy will not be in line with your official narrative that you don't accept division on your own homeland. So um this is just one reference that I wanted to make but did we have anything else uh, on these meetings like can we talk about another uh, confidence building measures to be discussed
0: Well I think there are many things that could be raised uh, I think collaboration in sports you know, it just what is needed is, is vision really is vision of how to use crossing points in order to ease the contact between the people create meaningful uh, connections. We expect this to be encouraged by the the Republic of Cyprus rather than having this sort of guilty tolerance towards what is happening. And uh, the other day, the two of us, we watched the documentary, The Overcoming, that is a documentary by two Turkish Cypriot uh, directors and producers that basically covers the opening of crossing points and how uh, the various communities on the island were influenced by this, and it has many stories. And in that, you have the member of the European Parliament, Mr. Niazik Zilyurek, and at some point, he says that so many activities and actions are actually taking place uh, between the people of the island, but these remain on a grassroots level and they are not encouraged at a higher level. And as long as this does not happen, as as long as cooperation does not become mainstream, let's say, or at least that it is not being uh, sidelined by the mainstream to this extent, how can we hope for meaningful contacts? And the other day I was... I was thinking because, as you said, we have made a number of interventions these days um, discussing the 20 years from the crossing points. And I have been thinking that it, at least what this is what I see in the Greek Cypriot community. It is like we believe that One magical day, the solution will come on the island and we will all be ready for it. We have never taken a step back to think that the crossing points are here in order to facilitate us towards the ultimate goal, which is obviously the coming down of all crossing points with a Cyprus problem solution. This is what I mean by underutilized potential. And at the same time, it's also a problematic perspective because how can you expect the solution to an intractable up-to-now conflict just magically appear without any work preceding it?
1: It's good that you mentioned about overcoming, and I think we need to congratulate uh, the two Turkish Cypriot women. One is living in Germany, the other one in in uh, the Netherlands, Filozanne uh, Albantoğlu and Besire Paralik, and they did a great work. and. Um, I like the way they were showing in their their documentary, the humanitarian aspect of it, rather than the political, how people are affected, their memories, their stories, you know, the the current problems, you know, what happened when during pandemic things started to, you know, go to a different direction. And, um, you know, the, the human aspect is very important to mention, I think, in every in every conflict and this is what the activists need to do it's not only a a, a discussion about um international relations and you know military strategies and you know all this kind of diplomatic moves so um this is the first thing i wanted to mention about your reference and the second uh, by the way, this was supported by uh, the embassy of the Netherlands, and you know we need to congratulate uh, them as well for their vision. The second was that um, with the initiation of the by the multi multi communal peace group HADE, the youth group, um, and with the support of United Cyprus, now um, the youngsters went to the crossing points. And there were long queues. And they distributed leaflets and asked the people to ask questions why they are waiting um, for so long um, during the crossing points. But the thing that I really like the most is that those people who have been using this argument of crossing points in a negative way, every time we advocate uh, more crossing points to open, they come up and say that, oh, crossing points is a sign of the division, as if you know, as if you want crossing points as a sign of you want the division to continue. Quite the contrary, on those um, leaflets, and this is what we have always been saying, I think it's important to continue opening new cracks. And that will eventually, hopefully, um, until the moment when we don't have a division line or any crossing point at all in the long run. So asking for more crossing points does not mean that you want uh, the division to stay permanent and, and in fact it's just the opposite and uh, I think it's important that you know young people uh, the younger generations of Cypriots are taking uh some lead in this we know that this is not always the case in different parts of Cyprus May, some people might even criticize you know this is the, the bicommunal bubble and all that but I think you know we need to give the credit where it it, it is it dues. So, apart from the crossings and apart from the unilateral initiatives, I think it is important to realize that Mr. Hristo had been supported by the reactionary forces of uh, the political spectrum. And how come that he is now saying that the, the EU should take, you know, more active role in this solution and then we have to take some action, we need to start the talks? What is the reason? I mean, I have my um, analysis on that, but why do you think that he's feeling so comfortable uh, saying those things?
0: In rhetoric, Mr. Hristodoulidis has been very careful not to antagonize Turkey since he assumed office. And this... uh, It is evident. At the same time, though, he's also feeding his own people and his own supporters with these photoshoots,
1: you know, in front of Greek flags and all those groups who are uh, pro-right.
0: Yeah no he's totally playing it uh, his all his cards with the right wing uh, section of the community and i think he has already disappointed a number of people when it comes to some of the appointments because uh, if you remember one of the very famous statements he was saying was that he he believes in in the Cypriot people's capacities and that he wanted new people to assume office and he has not uh, followed his own preaching. So we see this contrast, let's say, in rhetoric. He is very careful. But at the same time, when it comes to actual actions, we have not yet seen anything concrete. Even the discussion before about the unilateral confidence building measures, it remains at the shallow at a shallow level as long as We don't see anything actually happening, but at the same time, I think when it comes to the careful rhetoric and all, it is also important to put in context the the very different nature of Greek and Turkish relations at this stage. It is evident that there is a a behind-the-scenes understanding on a number of levels that sometimes they don't even become visible. And so I think it would be difficult for Mr. Christodoulides to uh, use uh, the cards of antagonism against Turkey. And he is trying to kind of follow suit with what is happening between uh, Greece and Turkey to the extent that he can. Of course, if one thinks that the Cyprus problem is still pending.
1: Do you think that he was taken seriously by the Europeans when he went uh, to Brussels and asked uh, the EU to become more involved?
0: I, I am sure they heard him. I'm sure they wanted to give him a chance uh, to put forward his ideas. But, at the but they same didn't see time, a
1: prospect in the they argument. Didn't I mean, they didn't it, see the argument uh, uh, something drastic in to, to make a change could, in the course of talks.
0: Yeah, no, I think they could not embrace it as something that they could proceed with. And you can see this uh, even with the constant change of, of what is actually being put on the table, because Mr. Christodoulidis keeps changing his position of what he actually wants. And I think the latest statement was that the the appointment of, of an EU representative will come after the appointment of a United Nations uh, Secretary General Envoy. So you see that the expectations are being constantly lowered. And I think that once again, and this is the (laughs) perpetual issue, I must say, once again, we see a lot of things that are being said uh, just for uh, domestic consumption. And I think that this idea about the EU uh, was part of this, because let's not forget that the EU has been part of the negotiation process in the past. They know the problem. And uh, I think that at this stage, what they expect is they expect to see also some moves from the Republic of Cyprus that would at least prove that uh, the Republic of Cyprus is serious when it says that the status quo is not sustainable.
1: What about the the two big traditional political parties of the Greek Cypriot community? I mean, relatively, um, they have new leaders, both Akel and DC, the left-wing and right-wing um, um, big political parties of the of, of, of the Greek Cypriots, and uh, what are they doing? I, I never hear anything about Akel, for example, <laughs> recently. Um, and of course, we heard some, you know, other um, things about DC. I mean, what would you like to say about that?
0: Well, I think that uh, DC is now in disarray and they're basically counting on the elections on the 6th of May because they're going to have internal elections for the posts of uh, deputy heads of the party, vice presidents of the party and for the uh, political bureau of the party. And the um, it is evident that there is a sense of awkwardness. Even if you look at the at the deputy president candidates, the spectrum is so wide that uh, one would wonder how these people make up a party. I mean, you have, on the one hand, Mr. Sotiri Samson, who is basically against the uh, bizonal Biconial Federation. I have heard a number of his interviews lately. I think... He could well be in a lamb. And, uh, and this is something that it is for the DC <laughs> to take Should into Should I raise my
1: eyebrow when I heard the, the, his surname? It
0: is the sun. Yes, Yes. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other one is uh, Thymios Diplaros, who kind of represents the more popular base of, um, of the sea, the more uh, apolitical one, but with very good relations with the public because he goes to all the ceremonies, to all the christenings, to all the weddings, so he follows that kind of politics. And then you have uh, Michalis Sofocleus, who is represented by some as the more European face let's say, of, of of the party. But really, this this huge spectrum kind of points out what the uh, C has become. And, and it is becoming evident increasingly that Mrs. Anita Dimitriou is not in a position to put down political positions and uh, have her party follow suit. On the contrary we are all waiting for the <laughs> deputy head's uh, election. And, and this is admitted, this is publicly admitted by everyone. And it is kind of disheartening to see the, the, the biggest party of Cyprus being in such an apolitical state.
1: Well, many people did not know about Anita Dimitriou. They, some people who are interested in politics, some people heard about the fact that she's, she was elected as the Speaker of the Parliament. And, um, okay, she's young and she's a new face. And, um, you know, so she has this image of representing a fresh breath in the politics. And I think that's it until recently when we heard this uh, this part, this discussion um, with uh, the head of the, the speaker of the, the Turkish parliament from Turkey, when they went to an international event, um, she made a reference to the invasion of, of Ukraine by Russia uh, with what happened in Cyprus in 74. And of course, the traditional response by the Turks was that, no, that this is the guarantee agreement. Maybe you don't remember it. Maybe you are too young. But what happened in those times? Duh, 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 duh. And of course, her, her response was to say that this is, this is sexism. Now, of course, you might claim that, a, a, you know, a man, a, a rather uh, an older, elder man, trying to dominate the discussion by mansplaining and you know saying that this ageism and this is trying to put a pressure on on your counterpart this can all be discussed but not many people were convinced that this was sexism but even if you know, you know. I think the main argument was on such a platform. You would expect um, a, a content, an official position taken when it comes to the Cyprus problem. I don't think many people will be really focusing so much on 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 the statement made by the Turkish uh, representative Mustafa Şentop. But at the end of the day, I think um, you know I, it's important. I believe in, in the narrative. I believe in the new politics. I believe that we need to be showing um, reaction to when when, when somebody is trying to put ageism or sexism or or, or, or even making a, putting you in a difficult corner by by not a, by not really uh, giving you a chance for a fair uh, argument or a discussion. But I don't think that this was, and and the fact that she was being cheered up and all that, I, I found it really difficult to grasp what was going on.
0: First of all, sexism and patriarchy are great problems of our society today globally. And there is also a class dimension to it in the sense that those who are mostly more vulnerable in the face of it are those who are more financially vulnerable. Having said that, It is really upsetting to see these terms being used so lightly in a context that it was not suited, in a sense, and seeing them being used outside their real context, in fact, damages the struggle for a more egalitarian society and damages the struggle against sexism itself. And I would expect a a more serious approach when it comes to this. To be honest, I think that video, that edited video that I think... Evidently, it was her team that shared it. Um, I think it has so many things to show. So, So you have the Republic of Cyprus, and we mentioned this in previous podcasts as well. One of the greatest challenges for the Republic of Cyprus today is to convince in the international domain that it is representing both the Greek Cypriot and the Turkish Cypriot community, and that it is working for a solution, and that it is the representative of one people on the island. And you are there, regardless of whether we like it or not, or the Greek Cypriots like it or not, Uh, Turkey is very good in diplomacy, and Turkey is very good in the European diplomacy as well. And they are very well connected. The networks are working so well. And the rhetoric that Mr. Shentop put forward on, on that day, it is heard in the European Union. There are major countries in the European Union that can see some of the arguments that Mr. Shenton mentioned. And so when you are presented with the opportunity of rebutting every single point raised by a political adversary, let's say, uh, quote unquote, then you should seize it in order to make your case rather than in order to create a scene out of something that, I think it it was exaggerated. I mean, obviously, it was an, a condescending comment. It was clearly ageism. But I believe that what mattered there, especially for Cyprus, because we are talking about the head of the Cyprus Parliament, what mattered there was to be able to put forward her points uh, in response to uh, the Turkish representative. Having said that, of course, I was also thinking that for the head of the Cyprus Parliament to be able to make these points, then the Cyprus Parliament... And, and the Republic of Cyprus should have had something to show as to counter the arguments by the Turkish representative who was basically putting forward the position that uh, the Republic of Cyprus is a de facto Greek-Cypriot administration, et cetera, et cetera, And this is what we are saying when we are saying that this is the greatest challenge of uh, the Republic of Cyprus today. And this is why we constantly refer to all those openings that the Republic should make towards the Turkish Cypriots. So in this context, I was very disappointed to see that once again, what was prioritized was the domestic consumption and the attempt to make oneself a hero, regardless of the fact that in fact, that what that video showed was that Mrs. Dimitriou failed to articulate the position of the Cyprus parliament. And it is astounding to see how communications is working in this way because all the media everywhere you would read about the sexist attack against Anita and how Anita responded to it, and we so totally miss the point of of what do we expect from our officials when they represent the country abroad. Um, Yeah, and it was disappointing because we have repeated many times that one of the greatest plagues of Cyprus is the fact that its politicians are using the Cyprus problem in in order to remain relevant or or, or in order to create impressions. And this is what we see from a person that, despite the fact that she's young and everything, does not show that she has actually something new to bring to politics. And this is uh, absolutely disheartening.
1: I think there is a general trend in the world nowadays that the quality of politics, the people who want to carry on political um, future, um, they don't necessarily um, play in the traditional areas of politics. And there is maybe um, some sort of a lack of quality everywhere in the world. Uh, when it comes to really articulating and producing um, thoughts, right? And um, I I, I agree with you. I think whether we all like it or not, or whether we agree or not, there are official positions that in such uh, platforms, you are expected to actually put your own extra two cents on on a specific, uh, let's say, uh, framework. Now when the framework is missing, then probably <laughs> the whole argument is not there. But again, also people are also sick and tired. Like they know the positions, they know that there is a problem in Cyprus. And they are very much occupied with what's going on in Ukraine. But let's also remember that politics is not only about the legal positions, it's also how it feels, how it tastes. People have a bad taste when it comes to the the leadership of the Greek Cypriots or or the the Republic of Cyprus. And um, I think especially with what happened since Grand Montana, I think, with, without getting into who's right or who's wrong, the, the perception in international scene is that, um, you know, not something that a small country like Cyprus would love to promote.
0: I think it's very important that you mentioned the part about Ukraine because it the, the whole discussion took place uh, in a discussion on Ukraine. And once again, I mean, this is the, the official position of the Republic of Cyprus, that what happens in Ukraine today is exactly what is happening in Cyprus. This is Verbatima, and this was put forward by Mrs. Dimitriou in that conference as well. And whenever I hear of this rhetoric, I always wonder how can we stand up and make these claims. I mean, how can we compare Cyprus to a country that is, as we speak, being bombarded, that whatever is happening in Ukraine is happening today. Uh, Nobody tries to uh, underplay the pain of the Greek Cypriots or of the people on the island back in 1974 when the invasion took place. But at the same time, it is kind of, it's like a Hebrews, to be honest, to be comparing our current state with what is happening in Ukraine. is like you are trying to underplay the importance of that. And I, I find it very awkward and I am sure that the, the Republic of Cyprus can make its political claims without trying to use the Ukraine war in this way.
1: Well, at the end of the day, I think we'll see what's going to happen um, with the, the elections in Turkey. All this discussion about two state solution on one hand, and then now Christodoulides, despite some of the reactionaries that supported him. Uh, says that he's not against a federal solution and the international community is saying that, you know, the only way out is the federal solution. We cannot accept two-state solution. So again, back to square one, and um, it's uh, the failure of the Turkish-slash-Turkish-Cypriot uh, diplomacy in this area by not embracing the federal solution, again, giving the chance to Christodoulides or anyone who not, do not necessarily believe or did not portray a very good example of embracing the solution um, to to play the diplomatic game. Well on the other hand, Andromahi some people say that Turkey has been doing it intentionally to, to actually to pull the the slider a little bit towards the Turkish position towards a, a confederal solution. So instead of uh, discussing what kind of a federal solution it will be, uh, Turkey giving up two state solution or Turkey Cypriots giving up two state solution in the in the future, on the grounds that they can accept more control on this and that, would probably be um, be considered as some sort of a, a tactic but at the end of the day it's our lives times are passing people are dying generations are vanishing and warosha is now on the discussion again and people lost hopes to return the Turkish cypriots are saying that their demographic uh, structures are changing so all these things are taking place at the expense of uh, of the people and this is the worst part. And uh, because there is no hope, you don't see people spending time or even discussing Cyprus problem uh, anymore, despite the fact that it has the direct effect on their lives.
0: So, Kemal, we have the Turkish elections and we also have the Turkish Cypriot by election
1: Co- Correct. Two elections are coming up. The Turkish Cypriot by-elections is just a waste of time and money. Basically, we will be choosing uh, one out of 50 in the turkey cypriot assembly and uh, this is because uh, mr kutret özersay had resigned uh, some time ago sitting that um, you know there is no need to be a puppet in this and it was him saying that not the leftist political party uh, because uh, at the time UBP leader was literally assigned by by turkey decided by turkey And the Prime Minister was uh, selected by Turkey, openly. So um, now um, the Turkish Cypriots will be going on the ballot boxes on the 25th of June to choose just one seat. Unlike unlike what you experience, Andromay, on the other side of the divide, (laughs) um, we don't actually give the, the chair to the second in line. We have to elect again. It's our biggest hobby. The, the um, Parliament has 50 seats and UBP, the biggest right-wing party, has uh, currently has 24, and uh, they have uh, coalition partners, uh, DP and YDP. So if UBP gets it, he, they will automatically control half of it. Yes, they will still be needing the, their coalition partners, but they will have more leverage. And um, and this is why JTP will probably be uh, claiming against uh, claiming the seat and discussing against it. Let's stop UBP. And the political parties outside the parliament will of course want to prove themselves. And I think this is a good chance for them to voice out their um, positions. Uh, when it comes to Turkey, yes, uh, there is uh, there are multiple surveys. Um, generally it seems that the opposition is leading with few points of difference so when it comes to the political campaigns in Turkey well there will be a presidential election and there will be a parliamentary elections on the same day and um so according to the to the the polls um Mr Kılıçdaroğlu is basically leading with few points percent difference and there is actually some people say that there is a chance that he might actually get it on the uh, first uh, round and they might not need uh, the second round which would be scheduled to take place two weeks two weeks after the first round so we'll see what's going to happen and uh, there is some expectation that uh, Mr. Erdogan has a real chance of losing it now, um, when, it, when I hear the, um, the campaigns, the narratives, the discussions, I, I don't hear anything new on Mr. Erdogan's side. But Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu has been trying to promise something different, something new, something fresh, trying to address the groups which have been excluded. Not necessarily the Kurdish, uh, let's say, groups. They're very careful on that. But uh, pro-Kurdish political movements also support Mr. Uh, Kılıçdaroğlu of the opposition, but being quite careful about it because they don't want to um, frighten the traditional uh, skeptic voters who will probably be, be, be voting for Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu this time. And uh, But even if Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu wins, first of all, Turkey will be needing some time to restore it's institutions, um, it's economy mainly. This is the biggest, the biggest issue according to the polls. Everybody is, you know, really finding to survive, and especially after the the big earthquake. And the second thing, many people have been discussing. Oh, Mr. Kalistaroli is not necessarily very different when it comes to the Cyprus. Uh, politics, we never heard him uh, or em- we never heard him embracing a uh, federal solution. but we don't expect this at this moment. I think what we expect is to see that uh, first of all, Turkey needs a change. Why it's important for us? Because yes, for physical reasons, for geographical reasons, for cultural and historical reasons. And um, it's important for Turkey to open its uh, path towards a democracy, towards the West, towards the EU, towards, um, let's say, a less uh, authoritarian, more democratic path. Whether it will happen or not, we will yet to see, but I think it's important for Turks to think and to, to, to see that they can change their government with their votes.
0: I think before closing, it is also worth mentioning some energy developments in the Republic of Cyprus. Uh, the drill ship to conduct the A3 appraisal well in the Aphrodite field in Block 12 that is owned by Chevron, NUMED Energy and Shell uh, has apparently moved to its target in the Aphrodite field. And the drilling is expected to commence Maybe by the time we release the podcast, it will already have uh, commenced. The development was kind of kept pretty low in the Greek Cypriot media. And I believe that it was this was done on purpose. They tried not to create any anticipation or any uh, hype around it. Uh, Having said that, on the Turkish Cypriot side, there was a reaction to this development and there was an announcement that stated that Block 12 has been licensed by the Turkish Cypriot administration to the Turkish uh, Petroleum Corporation. That was a a strange announcement because, yes, the Turkish Cypriot administration does uh, claim parts of Block 12, however, the parts that the Turkish Cypriot administration claims, uh, they they do not cover the Aphrodite field or the Aphrodite target. Uh, It is worth reminding here that uh, Noble had relinquished its rights to uh, Block 12 and it had only kept the Aphrodite field. And uh, That that is why the announcement by the Turkish Cypriot administration was kind of weird, because up to now, the Turkish Cypriot side does not lay any claims on the Aphrodite field. I mean, aside from um, the claims that they make on the fact that the natural resources on the island belong to all the people. But I mean, as a separate entity, as the TRNC that is not recognized by anyone, Up to now, they have been claiming parts of Block 12, but not the area in which uh, the Aphrodite field lies. However, we have not yet seen any any statement by Turkey either. At the same time, I think we should point out that the new energy minister in the the Republic of Cyprus, because he's a man that comes from the industry, he seems to have come with a very clear and uh, explicit plan. Uh, And he seems to be now in the process of working out a plan for the exploitation of uh, Cyprus natural uh, resources, but with a view to bringing some of the gas that is in the Cyprus exclusive economic zone to Cyprus for domestic consumption. I would just like to make a small point here that up to now natural gas and energy has been used and I'm referring to the last 10 years basically, has been used as a way to put forward these grande ideas and grand visions about the East Med and the Cyprus becoming very powerful or it has been used as a geopolitical asset let's say rather than a resource that could be utilized in the island and now it seems that with the new energy minister and obviously I'm saying this regardless of whether one agrees with the explorations or not but the fact remains that the new minister uh, is keen on on exploring how the natural gas that is found off the waters of Cyprus can be uh, brought in the island for domestic consumption and I think we will have a series of developments uh, in this front to cover.
1: Well, I don't think that anybody is in the uh, mindset of making long-term plans or uh, you know, uh, continue playing this on this side of the divide or in Turkey, that everybody is so carried out with the developments. And um, so probably uh, we might be, of course, seeing certain structures taking over and continuing um, the official positions on... Till the moment, if there will be a change, somebody decides to take a political position and then a new opening happens. So maybe that maybe will still be early, even in the next few couple of our programs that we'll be doing. But um, I think yeah, until then, uh, I think it's time to...
0: Yeah, I think it is certain that the coming months will keep us busy. We can see signs of the setting that is to be created after the elections in Greece and Turkey. And I think we will have a lot to discuss on this plan, Kemal. And on this note,
1: we say goodbye. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus Island Talks. Open, diverse, free.